Is that is that a, is that a fair statement to make? I, I'm just pulling that out of my butt. Nothing will stand in our way. I will finish what you started. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Style Guide Podcast with your host Dave Morris and Stephen Ray. Or how are you today, Stevo? I'm doing fantastic. I'm doing fantastic. How about yourself, Dave? I am good. I'm really good. I'm back from Europe. I'm no longer uh, on the continent. I'm now on the island again. Uh, and how are you doing in Ontario? I'm good. I'm good. Dealing with what is the weirdest uh, weather we've ever had: rain, snow, rain, sun, ten degree weather. Snow. I don't understand it. Sounds uh, sounds like weather. Yeah. How about that weather? How about that weather? It's always there. Every time I go outside, there's weather. You know, can um, Jedi's so, control the weather? I don't know. I'm going to say, yeah. I okay. think they can. I think, okay. Why not? Why not? They can pull thoughts out of your brain. They can control the weather. Yeah, okay. I guess that makes sense. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, we are speaking today, of course, about The Force Awakens. Since uh, we did our, our pre- preview episode a while back our star wars uh the uh, the force awakens perspective show that we did where we we guessed what we thought was going to happen based on <laughs> the trailers that we'd seen and came up with some theories so this is sort of our follow-up episode to see how well we did yeah yeah because uh, you and i sat down saw it together did a lot of looking back and forth at each other in the theater because we're big mm-hmm. old nerds mm-hmm. and uh yeah it was a movie yeah. And actually, no, uh, I actually saw it three times. You saw it three times? I saw it three times. I saw it with you. I saw it with, uh, like, family over Christmas. And then I went and I watched it by myself. Uh, so I've seen it three times in three very different situations. And uh, so I think I have, some, I have a pretty good perspective on the film now. Okay. okay. I, I have seen it twice, so I'm, I'm proud of that. I don't need to see it many more times than that. Uh, I still might theaters. go see it again. I still might go see it again. I think I can wait until it comes out on on uh, Netflix streaming because it's apparently going to come to Canada's Netflix streaming. Yeah, take that, America. I mean, no, don't take that, America. Still listen to the podcast. Uh, so let's talk The Force Awakens. Uh, do you want to start with uh, how well we did in our, our, our uh, perspective episode or do you want to launch right into how you felt about the film? I'm going to let you decide. Well... Actually, could we start somewhere else? Could we uh, start with a conversation about spoilers? I would love to, sure. Because this movie really did uh, play on that whole spoiler culture to like a peak almost. Like it was so like, don't talk about Star Wars and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it it got to the point where if you had seen the movie, you if you were po- talking about it in public, you'd do this sort of look around thing to make sure there was nobody around who might not have seen the movie. Yeah, and, and, and you'd like would, warn people like, hey, we're going to talk about Star Wars, so yeah. watch out. Yeah, and if you mentioned anything to do with Star Wars around someone who hadn't seen it, they'd go, oh, no, 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 don't talk about it, I haven't seen it yet. And and, and uh, actually, no, I think one of the strangest things about spoilers, with The Force Awakens especially, is how respectful everybody was. Really? Yeah, like, it was, it was as if we, as a, uh, you know, a fairly large culture came together and said, okay, we're all going to respect everybody's opinions and perspectives yeah. on this. We're not going to spoil this movie for you. We easily could, but we're not going to. And like Facebook, uh, people would not post anything that was spoiler related. Twitter, same thing. Like I, I, didn't, I didn't stumble across any spoilers by accident when I was looking at the uh, Force Awakens. 
Which in a lot of ways is kind of funny with this movie because there aren't real there isn't that much in the way of spoilers. Yeah, there really isn't. <laughs> I mean, the biggest spoiler, spoiler alert. Um, the biggest spoiler is that Kylo Ren kills Han Solo. Yeah. And that Kylo Ren is Han Solo's son. But we find those out pretty early on. Yeah, we find out that he's that they're related uh, probably in the first third of the movie. Maybe I'd say not even quite. in the first scene when the old man's like, uh, um, I know your family and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, there's the implication or something like that. You know, and it's like, oh, well, he's going to be like a Solo or a Skywalker then at that point. Like, it's pretty out of the gate. You get the idea that he's someone's family member, which is a very Star Wars thing to do. Totally, totally. And, and that he killed Han Solo, I guess you wouldn't, you not, not everyone saw that coming. Yeah, and I mean, there, there's a degree to which, fine, okay, that's that's shocking because it's Han Solo and everyone loves Han Solo and doesn't expect him to ever die. But, I mean, from a storytelling perspective um, and from, like, the actor's perspective, like, Han Solo was really, or sorry, Harrison Ford was really, he was struggling in some of this role. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the action sequences, you can just see he's like, oh, I have to run again? Guys, I, I can't do this. <laughs> um, yeah, and you know, I, I think in our perspective episode, if I remember, we were talking about, I believe I, I said I thought Skywalker was going to die, Luke. Mm. Um, and he was going to be like the Obi-Wan character. But it turned out that Han Solo was the Obi-Wan character, which meant that he totally had to die. Yeah. Right, well, and- to to sort of fulfill that. Obi-Wan Kenobi role that he was playing. Exactly. And and I and I thought that it, it worked really well. It was a fun inversion of the Obi-Wan character um, while being respectful of the original character and the distance from when he had originally been young Han Solo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought that that, was, that all fit in really well together. And so for his character to just be killed was was fitting. It didn't, it didn't seem... I mean... It was sad because it's Han Solo, but it wasn't shocking. Yeah, totally, totally. I was not shocked and completely surprised that he got killed. Yeah. It, as, as opposed to, say, something like The Sixth Sense, where if you find out ahead of time that Bruce Willis was dead for, yeah. for, for the entire movie, in some ways that's radically going to change your experience of the movie. Yes, definitely. And and I guess that's that's why I wanted to bring it up, because... When we when we talk about spoilers, I I have a hard time conceptualizing what we're really talking about. Mm, yeah, I I think I know where you're going, but continue. Well, it it's just like uh, there there's a sense that if we spoil a movie for someone, we're ruining it for for them. We're yes. we're we're ruining their experience of it. But there are very few movies where I would say they rest solely on a moment of surprise. Yeah, a piece of information that if you knew would spoil the rest of the movie. Like, you know, in uh, in The Force Awakens, even, you know that Rey is going to survive the whole time. Right. She's too important of a character. So you know that in advance. So any moment you see her in danger, you aren't worried that she's going to die. And does that spoil the movie? No, it doesn't spoil it. And, and and that's the thing. In in some ways, like just knowing how stories are told and how good stories work, I mean, it it does change your experience of the movie, certainly. But at the same time, like 
we've all at this point been to enough movies in our lives to know these a lot of these things. And so uh, I, I don't think that everything counts as a spoiler. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Uh, one thing I was I was thinking about a lot going into the Star Wars because of how big the spoiler culture built around it was is that two things. I, I mean, one is what you're saying about spoiling. When is it spoiled versus when do you just know something about the movie? And is there a difference? Like, is knowing something about the movie automatically spoiling it for you? So that, like, does everything need to be a surprise? Because then at that point, it's like, well, now you're just drawing an arbitrary line somewhere because you know the name of the movie. You know that uh, with some of the characters that are going to be in the movie, like you've seen the poster, presumably, or you've heard the title at the very least. So now you know that it's a Star Wars movie. So you've, it's been spoiled already for you if your whole goal is to go into it with no idea. Well, Does that make sense? Am I pushing the line too far there? I, I, I mean, in some ways, yes. But I, but I think part of, part of understanding what we're talking about requires pushing it to that point, right? Because, I mean, I am someone who is definitely guilty of not wanting things to be spoiled, certainly. Like, we, we had an entire podcast episode that was predicated on uh, that and Star Wars with me. So, but, but at the same time, like, trying to really put my finger on the phenomena is I think important because I think that if there is a a movie or a book or a television series that can be spoiled by just a single piece of information and and it actually does ruin the experience of that that's a bad story yeah it's a poor piece of media if it's that easy for it to be unraveled exactly I mean it 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 should be able to endure despite that, which isn't to say that, you know, it isn't, it isn't worthwhile to have that moment of surprise and novelty where, oh, I didn't see that coming. That, that's fun, sure. But it should be able to hold up otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, this is where, this is the second thing I was thinking about is where does this whole spoiler culture is what I've been referring to it as. I don't know what it is referred to as. Is that what it's called, spoiler culture? Sure. This whole idea of, of the, the fear of having uh, your media spoiled for you and don't talk about it, don't watch ahead of me in the television series we're watching together, et cetera, et cetera. To me, I think it comes from the fact that we are now so much of a consumer culture and that the the act of consuming things is of such high value to us, like watching movies, listening to music, reading books, like like just consuming straight up entertainment Right, like that's that's what we're talking about, uh, and the consumption of entertainment has become such a huge part of our culture that out of that it is natural that spoiler culture will arise. That now that the consumable is such an important part of of our our culture, the ability to make that consumable less, uh, you know, rich or or whatever, less consumable by spoiling it, then it 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 makes sense that we're going to get into the spoiler culture. And my thought is that, that what that's going to lead to is simple, just blind consumption. Because if you're so afraid of your consum consumables being spoiled for you, you're going to stop looking into what you're going to consume and you're just going to show up at the theater with no idea what you're about to watch and just consume it blindly. And is that a good thing? I don't know. Well, I mean, I, I don't see that extreme as happening, um, if only because... 
we still have celebrities. We still have, uh, I mean, like particular directors and and uh, and types of stories that we like. You know, mm-hmm. there are. I I went into the Hateful Eight, for example, not exactly knowing what kind of story was going to be told, but I knew it was going to be a Quentin Tarantino. I knew it was going to be colored with Western elements. I knew it was going to have a bunch of his old uh, cast in it. And mm-hmm. and so my I had particular expectations going into it, which, which colored whether or not I was going to see the thing in, at all in the first place. And like I, I would not have seen, say, I would not have necessarily seen that same movie if it was directed by Michael Bay. True. Uh, and the only reason is because you don't like Michael Bay movies, but you do like Tarantino movies. Right. And so I think I think the the blind consumption, I, I, I don't know how well, far we're going to get into that. Well, here's here's like a, an example. Uh, I overheard dudes in a bathroom, dudes in a bathroom talking about going to see Les Miserables. OK. Uh, and the dude was excited about it because Hugh Jackman was in it. Now, that guy has no idea what he's about to get into. <laughs> Because he thinks he's going to see Wolverine, but he's actually going to see a really sad musical where Anne Hathaway cries a lot. Uh, and the reason he went was because the piece of information he knew about it was that Russell, uh, that uh, Hugh Jackman and Russell Crowe were both in it. So his it, 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 the fact that he didn't look at anything beforehand to see if that movie was going to be spoiled for him, you know, like, oh, I better not look into it. I just want to go see this movie. Uh has given him a very strange experience that he's probably not going to enjoy. Maybe he will. Maybe he, maybe it'll surprise him and it'll change his life. And that's great. But going in that blind to something like that, like going to see a Tarantino movie and you get in there and realize it's a romantic comedy that he's decided to do all of a sudden that is very unlike his other work. You'd be pretty disappointed. But if you knew in advance that it was Tarantino doing a romantic comedy and it was like a, a departure from his previous work, you might not even go see it or wait for it to come on the video. See, what I like most about that story is that, like, if, if you think about the title, you're like, oh, The Miserables. Ooh, that does sound like kind of a badass Russell Crowe. <laughs> <laughs> it does, right? Hugh Jackman, Russell Crowe, and The Miserables. Ooh, it's like the, the, the like, Expendables. The, uh, Expendables, yeah. <laughs> but in French, I don't know. Yeah, so I, I think uh, but that's where I think I, I see this going is that people don't want to see uh, any information about the media they're going to consume until they consume it. Uh, so if you take that to its extreme, then that means we just sit down and have TVs blast information at us. Well, I mean, I see this as as a response to kind of the rise of digital streaming, but also just digital digital media consumption in general. Things okay. like Netflix and iTunes and uh, Amazon Prime and all these sorts of um, video on demand sources that make it basically give us all the media in the world to consume at once. Like Netflix has such a large catalog that I I'm I'm in no rush to particularly watch any one thing because you know, and you'll I, never finish it. Also, yeah. So you know, it's it's just watch whatever whatever and there's no need to get to anything in particular right because i always have something to consume and i and i kind of see this push towards spoiler culture as as a response to that from on the part of the the media companies to to kind of make it so that oh well you have to watch this episode of the walking dead this week because if you don't then somebody might spoil for you who died or game of thrones right 
Yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree. I agree that the the media companies are all in favor of spoiler culture. It totally works in their advantage. Yeah, and and I think that what we're, I, I, I mean, in some ways, my hope is that we're going to see kind of a a counterculture develop to that, where people are just like, no, I want to go see really good uh, movies and films. But at the same time, like I. Um, the Coen brothers have a new film call, uh, coming out, Hail Caesar, and they, in some ways, have deliberately marketed it to be uh, spoiler-proof. Like, the the trailers don't exactly give away the plot, they just show that it's an absurd Coen brothers movie. Mm-hmm. And so they're kind of playing into this spoiler culture in some ways, which, which I guess is disappointing, because I look at the Coen brothers as you know, uh, I, I, not art film, but definitely artistic films. They, well, except for Lady Killers. You really hate that movie. <laughs> I, I walked out of that movie. Man. But, but, but you, you kind of get my point, right? Like, even when you have great directors kind of playing into that. Well, like Tarantino as well, when the script for The Hateful Eight leaked and he almost didn't make the movie. Well, that that I can I don't know if I see that as a result of spoiler culture or or as just being pissed off that you know your eight the eight people that you trusted one of them screwed you like <laughs> yeah that's true like I, I yeah and you know I uh, I think uh, I see what you're saying that the media companies are in favor of spoiler culture and are helping predicate that but I think it uh, it comes from somewhere else and I think it does still come from the streaming everything on demand media stuff. Mm-hmm. But not necessarily that the media companies were the first to start pushing the spoiler culture, but the fact that because you can consume it, no matter what, like uh, you, it can be spoiled. Whereas like before, if you missed Star Wars when it was first in the theaters, uh, the very first Star Wars, and it's out of theaters now, you're never going to see that movie again. So it can't really be spoiled for you, right? Like there weren't videos and VHS tapes back then, like unless they put it back in theaters. So you would actually want to know what happened and you would ask your friend to tell you about it and you would want people to to spoil it for you because it's your only opportunity to see that movie is through them telling it to you. Uh, but nowadays, because it's always possible to see it, it means that uh, the the line of like, I haven't seen the movie yet, you know, like that that yeah. phrase, yet is the biggest part. Because I haven't seen the movie doesn't mean you're never going to see it nowadays. Whereas back when movies in Hollywood was first getting started, that's kind of what it meant. Yeah, well, and in some ways I, I kind of see parallels to to what we see with sports these days. Okay. I mean, there there was a time where if you didn't go to the game live, you you discovered what happened in your morning paper the next day. Yeah, or like the radio highlights or something. Yeah. Yeah, and and they, there it it was crafted as a narrative for sure. But the score, you, you're told the score, and then maybe how that score you know breaks down is is the rest of the story, the newspaper article or the radio highlights or something like that. But it's it's not as if you're you're like oh no 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 I don't want to hear that because I I I, I want to know if the I I want to see where the whether the Jays won or not, you know, when it happens. But, but now with like TiVo and the ability to record a game for later, you can't have it spoiled. Yeah, I think there was an episode of uh, Seinfeld about this, if I'm not mistaken, about the Super Bowl. Mm, yes. 
<laughs> that was me saying yes, but having no idea. <laughs> now, I think with The Force Awakens, uh, specifically, and spoiling and spoiler culture, uh, I think the fact that it was Star Wars and it was such an exciting moment for cinema, like in, in cinema for people, that played even more into the spoiling and the spoiler culture of it. That people love Star Wars so much and the first ones came out 30 years ago and they were the, everyone's favorite movies, even though they're not that great, but they're everyone's favorite movies. And then the prequels came out and disappointed everyone so much that this was like their new hope, excuse the pun, uh, of for Star Wars. And so they really didn't want to hear anyone's opinion about it until they saw it for themselves so that they could have that like... Uh, that hope for as long as possible. Yeah, and I think I think in a lot of ways that points to the direction we're seeing with a lot of media. The the way that it's it's being transformed into cultural phenomena. So yeah. it's it's not just a matter that Star Wars The Force Awakens is a movie. It's it's also this entire cultural experience that we're going to to have together. Just just like when you sit down and watch, say, Game of Thrones, and you're watching it with a bunch of people around the country all at the same time and tweeting about it, it's the cultural phenomena and being plugged into the social experience mm -hmm. that that spoiler culture in some ways plays into and reinforces, but is also its own thing where you're part of something that is bigger than yourself. And and this is, certainly isn't new to the Force Awakens. I mean, uh, when it, I mean it definitely happened with the Star Wars prequels, but you also see it with. Um, I remember seeing uh, Watchmen, the mm. the based on the graphic novel, uh, a premiere night, and it was a similar sort of experience where you know a bunch of uh, a bunch of people who it was significant to came together and saw it all at once and. And so I think yeah, or like the Harry Harry Potter's when the the seventh book came out and people were like lined up around the corner for books at bookstores, you know, like uh, it was a phenomenon that everyone wanted to be a part of reading Harry Potter as soon as possible. And Twilight too, yeah, I think I think we have lots of examples in recent years of trying uh, trying to plug into this phenomena. And. In some ways, I I want to give it a pass. Like for for the Force Awakens, I'm like, yeah, you know what? It's not that big a deal. If if people want to all be part of this this shared experience together, that's great, and I don't particularly have a problem with it. But when it become comes kind of weird, is when I have to spend like I'm out walking in on the street, and I have to feel self conscious about talking about something that I'm excited about because someone might not have seen Star Wars. like Yeah, and, so true. And it just, it's, it's a weird conflict for me because on the one hand, I, I want to talk about a thing that I'm excited about and I want to enjoy the experience with, you know, whoever I'm with. But at the same time, I also wouldn't want someone to just tell me that Kylo Ren kills his father. <laughs> like, and, yeah. and, and, and I, I don't know how to reconcile these two things in myself because... I don't think that it's something we should be that concerned about. I really, I don't think we should be this worried about spoilers. But at the same time, I don't want it to happen to me. Yeah, and I don't, uh, I mean, I don't mind being, having spoilers happen. <laughs> uh, they're very little will spoil a movie for me. You know, I think knowing the ending of a movie does not spoil it for you. 
In fact, to me, knowing the ending of a movie sometimes makes it more fun. Because I know that Kylo Ren's going to kill Han Solo. And so the whole movie I'm watching, wondering if that's going to happen. You know, is that going to happen right now? Is this the scene? Is this the scene? You know, and you wait for it. And then you finally get there and you're like, oh, this is the scene. You know, and it's exciting. Uh, like, um, see, having seen the trailers and looking forward to the moment when you get to see the Millennium Falcon fly, you know, uh, and then it all of a sudden shows up. And you're like, that's the moment. You know, like, it's exciting to see that. We are, as people, we do enjoy watching the same thing over and over again, right? Like, people went and saw The Force Awakens multiple times. So clearly, knowing the movie does not ruin the experience of watching the movie. And yet, everyone wants that first experience to be fresh for some reason. Well, yeah. And I mean, you and I had an entire podcast that we dedicated to Ender's Game, a series that we have read countless times. Yeah. And we talked about our ability to get something new out of it and how sometimes it was the getting new out of it. Sometimes it was re-experiencing the old feeling of it. And and it, there, there are a lot of different, sometimes conflicting uh, experiences for this. And I don't think there can be a hard and fast rule about it. Yeah, because like, you know, when I went to see Star Wars the, in the trailers or the previews or the commercials, actually it was the commercials before the movie, they had... BB-8 and like images from The Force Awakens in the commercials for it. Mm -hmm. And people in the theater were like offended because (laughs) the movie was being spoiled for them before they'd watched the movie while sitting in the theater. So it's like when (laughs) like once the movie starts, if like a character walks on screen and someone behind you says like, oh, that's BB-8. Is that it? Is that a spoiler? Does that ruin it for you before you hear the character say the name in the movie? Like. Like, when is it okay to mention what's happening in the film? <laughs> like, the fact that it's called The Force Awakens is a spoiler because it tells you that the Force is going to awaken. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, anyway. I mean, I, I, mean I, I know that that takes it to, to extremes. And, and I, think, I, I think the biggest deal with spoilers is we, we come against them when it comes to character deaths. Like, that's where it ends up being really significant for a lot of people. So, you know, the death of Han Solo or when Snape kills Dumbledore or Walking Dead, whoever's going to die this week, whatever it is. Game of Thrones, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a matter of of us being personally connected in some way to these characters and and wanting to kind of experience the tragedy of that moment for the first time in some sort of authentic way, whatever Mm -hmm. that means. And... And I, 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 ju- I just don't know what to make of it because. Yeah, you're right. It's it's like and also like the fact that we're such a sequel and remake culture nowadays. It's like if they remake when they re- when they remake Spider-Man again. <laughs> we all know the story of Spider-Man. Yeah. You're not going to tell us anything new. We, we it's the movie has been spoiled. We know that he's going to get bit by a spider and he's going to become Spider-Man and he's going to fight one of his multiple bad guys that we all are aware of. Uh, and it's like, so, so, and same with sequels as well. I find it interesting about this spoiler culture, but we love sequels uh, and movies like franchises because, well, I've seen the first one, so I kind of know what's going to happen in the next one. Or at least I know a bunch of the characters and, and things like that. So a lot of the movies already been told to me. And reconciling that with the fact that we, don't want to know anything about the media we're about to consume. Yeah, it's it, it, it's fascinating, and I I, I mean I, I do think more thought needs to get put into this because 
there 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 aren't answers yet like we we're, we're definitely definitely we're not we're not in a place where this even makes in, entirely sense as as an experience but it it is it is fascinating how how much it came to the forefront with the force awakens and mm-hmm. and presumably will with the you know the next one the uh oh yeah for yeah, sure the 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 first order strikes again or something like that whatever it is <laughs> <laughs> the second order yeah i think uh okay so the other thing i want uh, before we get into how well we did in our predictions mm-hmm. uh the phenomenon of star star wars we've been talking about it a little mm-hmm. bit but the amount of people that i have seen who ha- are now suddenly huge star wars fans <laughs> as if they've been star wars fans since the very beginning but are just now suddenly uh, buying the t-shirts and the plushies and the toys and the everything because of the force awakens. And like, I guess the term is jumping on the bandwagon. Sure. Is incredible. Like some people are star Wars fans. I know, I know some, there's lots of nerds in the world and uh, you know, all the power to, to you. The amount of all of a sudden star Wars fans and love the originals all of a sudden out of nowhere uh, from people that weren't even alive when the originals were, on VHS tapes, you know, is uh, is is uh, is surprising to me. Well, I mean, but that's that's kind of the the fan culture these days, right? Like it, mm-hmm. we we develop these very large uh, fan bases around properties almost overnight. Yeah, it it in a lot of what like a lot of our. Uh, our our media i don't know if it's meant to do this but it seems well suited to it uh the hunger games harry potter m- the entire marvel franchise like lo- lots of these sorts of pieces of media that just almost uh uh sherlock you know it almost yeah. overnight springs into this huge widespread oh well i love sherlock it's like oh oh great so you're a big fan of arthur conan doyle no no i just i i I love benedict cumberbatch and on the one hand this sounds like complaints from you know people oh well you know i i read the short stories and 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 so i'm i'm a truer fan than they are which which isn't what it Mm. is i just it's weird though the way that we kind of just buy into what is a consumer culture here yeah, the hype got so big that it swallowed us all whole. Yeah, and 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 totally. I mean, I almost want one of those BB-8, not I almost want, I do want one of those BB-8 little droids because I think it would be awesome to have one of those around my house. On the other hand, I'm not going to spend $150 on it, so, you know, take that consumer mm-hmm. culture. But Well, I mean, uh, yesterday I was wearing a shirt that has a picture of BB-8 that says, Droid, please. <laughs> So I've bought into it too, I guess. Uh, it was a gift in my defense. But uh, but yeah, like, uh, and me as a Star Wars fan, I'm a Star Wars fan. I watched them all growing up, and but we, we've talked about this. I was never a huge fan, but I they were just always there, and they were always kind of like a movie that we would watch. And I grew up knowing the story and like, you know, comparing life to the Force and, you know, Yoda's sayings make sense, you know, like, but... Uh, and yeah, so The Force Awakens coming out, and I went and saw it three times. Yeah. And I'm a pretty reasonable person. You know, like I, I don't get swept up into the crazy fanaticism of, of media cultures with the caveat that I have a podcast where I talk about media. But um, <laughs> uh, I generally don't get swept up into the fandoms the same way everyone else does. And I still saw the movie three times. 
Yeah, and, and I, I don't necessarily think this is a particularly bad thing. I mean, you know, I people are getting excited about things. Why why would I wanna why would I wanna try and tear down their experience and, and what seems to be bringing them a lot of joy? But uh, try, trying to figure out what it is is, I think, uh, what I'm more interested in. Like a, a good example is the upcoming Deadpool movie. Do you know Deadpool? Mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah, I know what the characters yeah, about. He's so. kind of a superhero, but he's wise, crack, and uh, think Spider-Man, but breaks the fourth wall and infinitely cooler and more badass. That's easy. Yeah. <laughs> but um, he... He's a character who has has a long history in the comics, and and this movie that's being made is based on a particular version of that character, obviously, as they always do, but it plays into what is kind of a popular version of that character. And there's there are competing fandoms here. The the newer fans who are really excited for this, you know, uh, sarcastic, wisecrack, and quipping Deadpool. And then there are the older fans that go, "This isn't really true to the character." And you guys are just jumping on a bandwagon, and they're making this movie for you, and you're not real fans. Hmm. And and it's this weird conflict between like you like a thing and you shouldn't like a thing, and we like a thing and it's fun and that's the part that seems really troubling to me where fandoms collide. Yeah. Well, you know, and Missy, uh, my wife and former guest on this podcast, she often refers to the, the term canon mm-hmm. and how, uh, how as soon as, uh, as soon as that word comes into it, it's, it's, uh, uh, another friend of ours, Dan, he says, anytime he hears the word canon, he leaves the conversation. Um, because canon is a religious term, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and and all of a sudden, these these separate fandoms who have these different beliefs into what these characters should be and what the story should be about are starting to use religious terms and religious like like uh, references in it, and it's sort of starting to split into different sects of what uh, Deadpool is and what is canon and is Star Wars extended universe part of Star Wars or is it not? Uh, is it is it uh, canonical? You know, and that is sort of this this I, I think newer phenomenon and newer part of the culture that media is becoming religion. Well, I mean, in in a lot of ways, it's just we we seem to as as human beings cling to particular ideas in in very strong emotional ways. And, yeah, and we identify who we are through the stories we hear. You know, uh, which what characters you see in movies uh, do you identify with, and what tales have they gone through that you use as a metaphor for your life? Like, like that is we we live through stories. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I I self identify as a nerd in a lot of ways, and a television show like The Big Bang Theory, I i often get angry at at the way that it portrays mm-hmm. nerds and the and and i think that it's a terrible piece of media and really don't like it and yeah. and and yet at the same time it's very popular lots of people like it and it doesn't harm me in any way for other people to like <laughs> yeah. the big bang theory so why do i have my back up against a wall because of it well because i yeah. identify as a nerd and have for a long time and so I'm having trouble getting over this emotional reaction I have to that experience. Well, and that might also be another reason why the Force Awakens fandom kind of took off crazy 
is that nerd is becoming more and more an acceptable and almost like popular thing to be. I say almost popular thing to be. Um, but it is much more accessible to be a nerd and much more, much easier to be a nerd uh, nowadays than it was when, even when we were in high school, uh, even when you were in high school, I'm pretty sure being a nerd was not cool. And what what's interesting is that it has now become about what you consume in a lot of ways, as opposed to, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that I was a smooth-talking, cool, quipping teenager. I was, you were. I was pretty awkward, uncomfortable, shy, and a weird guy. And in a lot <laughs> yeah. of ways, that's what defined me as a nerd. Not my consumption of media. My consumption of particular media was almost a result of that, where I turned to books like Ender's Game and that sort of stuff because those characters reflected my experience in a lot of ways. Mm, yeah. Yeah, you were, uh, I guess, like, I'm, I'm going to use the word bully, but I don't know if I should. But you, you were bullied into becoming a nerd, or you were a nerd and therefore were bullied, whichever one comes first. But you, the the... the the society around you and the way they treated you forced you into this this media that was nerdy. Whereas nowadays, it's almost like the the, the media that is nerdy <laughs> is attracting people to it, and they're becoming nerds through the media. And then because of that, they might get bullied. Is that is that a, is that a fair statement to make? I, I, I'm just pulling that out of my butt. Like, I, well, I haven't done any tests. Well, I mean, I I I don't know because in. In a lot of ways, when I look at kids these days, it seems like it there is a coolness with with being a nerd for for a lot of this stuff. It like kids play Minecraft. Kids yeah. widely play Minecraft, and and that kind of like pseudo programming experience, uh, game experience, is something that I would do as uh, as a a young man, not even a young man, as a kid and be bullied for it. And yet at the same time, this is the kind of thing that kids now just talk about widely at recess. Yeah, it's not it's it's okay to be into nerdy things now. Yeah. And so I the that relationship is is trickier and I mean harder for us to understand because we are adults who, you know, it's weird when we sit at a playground and watch kids. So we can't we, yeah, we can't really engage with that experience in the same way. Yeah. Um, weird is one way to say it. Uh, the other way is horrible and creepy. Anyway, yeah, we've really gotten into the weeds here. So uh, 40 minutes into our uh, Force Awakens podcast. <laughs> and we haven't talked about it at all. Uh, we've, ta we've talked around it in, in interesting we ways. We have talked around it. Yeah. And I think a lot of what we're talking about is relevant to why this movie was so successful uh, because of the spoiler culture that's been built around it, the the fandom that's been attracting people to it, and the fact that it is accessible to be into nerdy things because Star Wars originally was for, like, nerds were the people that liked Star Wars. Now everyone seems to like Star Wars, and it's not considered nerdy to like Star Wars. It's just normal, uh, which is incredible to have something like that happen. It is. And I mean, one of the reasons why I was kind of hesitant to even do a podcast on The Force Awakens at all is that everyone has talked about the movie. Like, they've, you know, people have talked about, like, there are tons of articles written about predictions, thoughts on the movies, you know, what you think about the characters, how you feel about it, particular nuances, all this. Like, 
everyone likes to repeat like oh did you know that daniel craig was in the movie you know he he was that stormtrooper yeah. and and it's this sort of like we we we've hit this super uh saturated moment where everything that could be said about star wars almost has been said about star wars and yeah, totally. and so uh in some ways like talking around it in this way is i think a an actual way of engaging with the the topic that isn't uh as uh, overdone it's not, yeah it hasn't been done too much <laughs> <laughs> well then we can keep going with this because i can talk about nerd culture a lot uh, <laughs> and how, how uh, interesting i find this this situation that we're in right now um and which came first the nerd or the nerd media but um i think we all know it is an accessible thing it's it's acceptable thing to like star wars the force awakens and so everybody does uh, and then, of course, there's the two camps that have come after watching the movie, which are the people that think it's uh, uh, just a remake of the old ones and nothing new and nothing original and are upset by it. And then the group that thinks it uh, is a, a remake of the old ones and a return to the classic form and therefore love it. What camp do you lie in, Steve? So this is not my own original idea. I I think I heard it on a on a Star Wars podcast. So, but I I I'm more in the latter camp where I see Star Wars as a, a mythic story for for contemporary society. It in a lot of ways harken harkens back to the kinds of stories we tell about ourselves about how we live in the world and why we live in the world and and key moments and so what you see with the force awakens is is an update of that story that is embedded in new experiences in the now that calls and draws upon the older story and i mean the Force Awakens dragged Star Wars kicking and screaming, screaming into 2015. Like mm -hmm. there, there are a lot of things about that movie that reflect our our contemporary sensibilities that are definitely not there in the original story. Yeah, like I I do not expect to see uh, Daisy Ridley in the uh, Leia slave outfit. Yes. Well, and yeah, and you know, I, I would say uh, the original Star Wars movie, A New Hope, which is now called A New Hope, it did a much better job because in that, like, Princess Leia was tough and she was, like, capable. And it wasn't until the later the movie series went on that she slowly became Slave Leia. Uh, and so this one started with the very similar uh, uh, characterization of the female lead, uh, although it made the female lead much more of a lead than uh, the original, where she still was the damsel in distress that was being rescued. So, like, it shifted her into the, the central hero role as opposed to the victim role, which was nice to see, which, again, I think is what you're saying about dragging us into 2015. Yeah, well, and in yes, it's in, in some ways it's, it's the reflection of the kinds of characters we see, but it's also the kinds of stories, right? Like, there are... There are nuances to the Force Awakens that are that are different than you would see in in the first Star Wars in the seventies. Yeah, yeah, and and so it it retells for the sake of updating instead of retells just for the sake of retelling. Yes, yes, that 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 that, that, that yeah, like um, mythology is all about telling the story again, right? And so 
you keep telling it again and it changes with the times and it's an oral tradition. And Star Wars, what they did is very, very much like that, where they updated the characters, they updated the um, uh, the uh, representation of uh, of minorities, right? Like just the fact that there were people of color in the film. Mm-hmm was incredible and not just like uh, and not not just in the lead roles but just everywhere like in the background like just characters they're interacting with they see around them it's just like oh wow this feels like today's world as opposed to the original where it's like it's just mostly white people except for lando i missed lando i really wished he had been in this movie <laughs> oh you old pirate that that would have been uh, great. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, so I, I, so you're in the camp of it was a retelling and remake, but that is awesome, and that's why you loved yeah. it. Yeah, and I think I am clearly in that camp with you. Uh, that I think is what I loved about it, is that it was hearkening back to the original series and retelling that story. It was just like let's build an even bigger Death Star, you know, <laughs> like, and I think I talked about this in our perspective as well. That that was what I was hoping for was that sort of J.J. Abrams style winking to the camera. Uh, when referencing older works like he did in the new uh, Star Trek movies. Yeah. Uh, and so they totally did that throughout the whole thing, you know, like even down to like, I got a bad feeling about this. Like it was fantastic. And and uh, it made me, it, ma- it reminded me of all of the things I liked about the old movies, but left out a bunch of the things that were dumb about the old movies <laughs> and brought it into a modern day uh, era, which I, I loved. Yeah, and and you know there there are always going to be there's always going to be a reason to go watch a new hope for sure. It it it's not like this movie erases a new hope, but it it feels it feels like a really uh, a really strong building upon it for me, and and I'm very satisfied with the result. It's not perfect. I I don't think uh, I. I no, oh, yeah, definitely as a movie, it's not the greatest perfect piece of cinema, but it was incredibly enjoyable to watch. Yeah, and and I think what it does is it recreates that mythology for a generation that in no way experienced it, and and mm-hmm. so um, in some ways this is talking about those people who are suddenly Star Wars fans, but it's also talking about like people who uh, children and and very young adults who who could not couldn't have been yeah Yeah. and so now they get this kind of hyper mythical experience for that's going to kind of throw them into another generation and i I think that that's i think those kinds of stories are really important for us as a society uh, especially as we move away from uh, a strong religious tradition i think having common stories is really important and a common mythology, yeah. And Star Wars is starting to become not only the common mythology of nerds, but of people. Yeah. You can say to anyone, you know, do or do not, there is no try. And that means something to them. And, you know, something like he's got too much Vader in him, hopefully, like that for me feels like that's going to be one of those things where we yeah. can just say that, oh man, you know, like I, I can imagine, you know, kids on a playground and, and one of them just, you know, and is just being a dick and go, he, you know, oh, he's got too much Vader in him. Like that, that yeah. seems like just this kind of fun embracing of the, of the world for me. Yeah. I, um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, mm-hmm. um, due to the sequel nature of the film. Yeah. And I think we talked about this in our, in our sequel episode is the force awakens going to be a sequel um and it clearly is 
It is clearly continuing story elements from before. It has some of the same characters carrying over, and it is was very much a handing of the torch to new characters. In fact, a handing of the lightsaber directly. Literal lightsaber handed <laughs> um, that once belonged to Vader. Mm-hmm. Whoa. So uh, due to the sequel nature of it, and this is something I, I, I thought of while watching it as well, is so much of the joy I received while watching that film was directly related to the fact I've seen the previous ones and how I felt about the previous ones. Seeing Han Solo and Chewie walk onto the Millennium Falcon and say, Chewie, we're home, that that hit not because of necessary... Like, it hit because I'd seen the old movies and liked them and because it's been 30 years since those characters have walked on screen together. Yeah. Uh, and so that both of those together made that moment like boom, like really hit. Uh, and if you were, say, a 12 year old kid who watched the movies like, you know, a couple weeks ago with your family and they're kind of old and they're not not as good because movies today are way better um, and you go in and you watch it, is it going to have that same effect on you? I, I don't I don't think that it will. Um, I mean, it's 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 basically impossible for it to. But at the same time, I think that The Force Awakens was crafted in such a way to, to avoid a lot of that. So, I'm, I'm, like, the very first joke in the movie is when Kylo Ren is uh, interrogating Poe Dameron, I think. I think that's the first yeah. joke. And, and po- He says, who's supposed to talk first? Am I supposed to talk or are you supposed yeah, to talk? Yeah, and it's, it's a funny quip about... Uh, about the fact that Kylo Ren is is using a voice modulator to sound intimidating, yeah, and and he's like, I can't hear you through with, with the mask on. It makes it hard to hear you, <laughs> like that kind of yeah, stuff. And yeah, and that's a, it's it's a funny joke, even just in isolation. But it's a funnier joke in when you think about Star Wars as a whole, and and Darth Vader the character, and 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 him as an intimidating figure. That joke has so much more resonance. But at the same time, it's still a funny joke for uh, a new audience as well. And so I think that in a lot of ways, they did a good job of bridging uh, bridging the, that gap for new mm, and yeah. old fans. Because like when, when Solo dies on the bridge, it's very similar to Luke getting his hand cut off by Vader, you know, like, and they're on a big catwalk and they're father and son talking like very, very much from Empire Strikes Back. But... Um, uh, and so to all of us, it's like, oh, another family debate on a catwalk where somebody falls. Um, but to someone new who's never seen it before, it's still a great epic moment because, of course it is. That's why it was used in the first one. It's such a beautiful epic moment. Yeah. Um, and the guy in the mask is intimidating. That's what's beautiful about it. Um, and when he takes off the mask and looks kind of like this just nerdy kid, that's funny to us to see that he's not actually Vader and he doesn't even need it. He just wears it for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but that he he also just he he's a nerd underneath. <laughs> yeah, and so it the the movie I think layers the different levels of of audience that it's telling the story for, for the most part, very well. I I think you're right. There are some examples where uh, it's clearly fan service that is not going to resonate, like the Han Solo moment on the bridge. That moment is entirely for fans of the old trilogy and in no way for a new audience. 
Yeah. <laughs> like that's not there in no way are you going to go, "Oh yeah, that that's that's an awesome scene if uh if it comes without the background of Star Wars." Yeah. But but another example, like C3PO. C3PO yes. is barely in this movie. And and his jokes and his comments in this movie are are perfect. They're perfect exposition, storytelling and fun. And they mean yeah. so much more if you are a Star Wars fan who knows that Han Solo ha hates C-3PO anyway. Yeah. And like when 3PO, you know, basically like uh, interrupts him and Leia's moment, <laughs> uh, right, which is like a classic 3PO move from the originals that we as people who who get that joke laugh at it. But also, it is just funny when a robot jumps in front of someone and, and uh, interrupts their moment. You know, it's funny, period. And the red arm joke, you might not recognize me with the red arm, is funny for us. But it's also funny if you didn't know that, like, 3PO should never red arm. That, that was just a funny joke. I was like, look, we changed something. You know, like, uh, and, I, and I think a lot of this movie was, was like, uh, I'm sure I'm not the first to say this. Uh, in fact, I probably heard it somewhere else that J.J. Abrams just sort of writing a love story to the original trilogy yeah. uh, as a as a kid who grew up watching it and a nerd himself. Like this was his his love story to the original series, uh, to the original trilogy. And right down to that very first line. And Missy was the first person to point this out. The first line of the movie of this is going to begin to set things right again. Mm hmm. Right, which is like, hey, J.J. Abrams telling us, the audience, this is going to set things right. Like, this is the beginning. We're going to, from here on in, Star Wars is going to be awesome again. <laughs> like, uh, and, uh, and a lot of moments were like that, you know, like the red arm is like, hey, look, look, we changed things, but not really. Come on. <laughs> like, I'm just doing the same movie again. <laughs> well, and even to step back to the very, like, r the first line of The Crawl, Luke Skywalker is missing. Like in yeah. in a lot of ways, like as a fan, that resonates so heavily because, yes, we have been missing Luke Skywalker since the end of Return of the Jedi. Like yeah. the but it also works really well as just the first you're watching the movie for the first time. Luke Skywalker is missing. It gives you a nice plot point. Yeah, right? and 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 I think describing it as a love uh, a love letter to to the uh, original trilogy is a is a perfect way to do it because. He very clearly loved Star Wars and yet at the same time was willing to to play with it in new and interesting ways. Like I don't buy that this is just uh, the, the, the original movie retold because we have stormtroopers who are people like yeah mm -hmm. like that alone is a huge shift from the 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 nazi parallel that we see in george lucas's star wars yeah well you know i think that the two two main things about the force awakens that i see as aha here's where jj abrams did some great storytelling on his own within the star wars universe and kind of broke the the, the star wars uh, formula is what you just said the stormtrooper as a character like the uh, the character of uh, of Finn. Well, him and like there are clearly like stormtroopers who are actually people who know Finn as a character who feel betrayed by what he did. Yeah. And, like that's that's amazing. It's amazing, yeah. And that and that is like they're they're orphans taken from birth and raised by the First Order to be soldiers. You know, mm -hmm. like like brainwashed and stuff. And he turned away from it. So that character is like a, something we have never seen in a Star Wars movie before. A traitor. Yeah. 
of the empire who's now working with us. Like that is huge and super, super powerful and makes me think he knows the force, but <laughs> that aside. And then the other thing that I, that they did was they made the villain, the Darth Vader character, uh, insecure about himself and kind of like a whiny brat. <laughs> You know, which is, again, in the Star Wars world, villains are, like, super evil. And it's Darth Vader. It's not until the very end of that movie where he turns, you know, and it's, like, and kills the Emperor. And even then he does it in this, like, really, like, strong, confident way. Where Kylo Ren is, like, a, a he's insecure. Yeah. He, so obviously insecure. And he has temper, temper tantrums and stuff like that, like. Like Darth Vader, when he got upset, he would just choke somebody. Uh, Kylo Ren just smashes a room up. Well, and and like it, it just it it played with expectations in a lot of way to to do that too. And like we couldn't have another Darth villain, a Darth villain, Darth Vader villain character. Like that wouldn't work in today's storytelling. And yet, I'm sure the urge to keep that character was strong. You know, like, just be like, okay, no, Darth Vader worked and we don't want to change things too much. And while Kylo Ren on the very surface seems like he's uh, just Darth Vader again, he is in no way the same character. Yeah, they very much changed him uh, to a different and gave him, a, uh, I mean, pun intended, uh, some humanity, you know, like he wasn't a machine. He's a human. Yeah. And he dresses up like a machine because he wants he's a wannabe. And then, okay, then there is one other thing that I think J.J. Abrams did that was great storytelling choice. Mm -hmm. Is he made uh, Ray capable. Eminently uh, capable, as opposed yeah. to As opposed to Luke Skywalker, who is like a, a whiny little farm boy, who was a good pilot, apparently. <laughs> but he made Ray like, no, she is uh, an incredible, like, scavenger. She's super smart. She's a good fighter. Like, she, she's like brave you know uh doesn't need anyone to hold her hand like she is awesome uh and i thought those three main changes that he made are enough to say like aha even though this movie was like a, a skeleton of the original uh those changes made it had have much more depth and in the future i'm really looking forward to where it goes yeah well and the the other thing about it is all of the characters seem more real in this film like Ray, Ray, you're right. She's she's very capable, but she also, you know, she's she's clearly got some trauma. She's she she's not as confident in herself a hundred percent of the time. Uh, she she's a little bit weird as a result of you know spending all her time as an orphan on a desert planet. Yeah, and then that J.J. Abrams fashion of like throwing out like she's waiting for her family, and then never answering that question is like yeah. Add some mystery to her character. Yeah, but I mean, all of the characters are are ha have both capacities and defects, and and are are more fully fleshed than you see in the original Star Wars, right? Where a lot of the characters are are caricatures. Obi Wan Kenobi is probably the best example, where he is just the wise old man. And yeah, super clearly a wise yeah, one. There's no nuance yeah. to him. And Darth Vader really in the first movie is just the villain character. And Han Solo is just a cocky uh scoundrel. Yeah. Yeah. And and so it what what I love about this is that you can point to a bunch of uh, different characters and their 
their their nuances except i guess poe dameron who is just a cocky scoundrel again but a different kind of <laughs> yeah. cocky scoundrel and he's a kind of a superhero he's like just like a great pilot he's awesome yeah, uh, you know what i love him go oscar isaac yes so he did an incredible job of um i guess uh, the the phrase that keeps jumping into my mind is the same but different you know like here it is this is the exact same thing that you you love but we made it different enough that it has somewhere to go. It has some legs. And I know people hate it when you talk about Star Wars and Star Trek at the same time. But uh, to me, it's very similar to what he did with the original Star Trek or the, the, the reboot of Star Trek that he did or the side call, the spinoff. We're not quite sure how to define it, if I remember, because <laughs> um, it does take place in the same universe and Leonard Nimoy's in it. But uh, when he did the, the, the new Star Trek films and he did the same, like, winking at you, like, hey, get this. Like, look, Kirk's making out with a green alien girl. And, like, he did all the, the same, like, classic throwbacks uh, while still reinventing those characters differently and making Spock and Ahura in a relationship and blowing up a planet that, changed, like, destroyed Vulcan so that everything was different now. And, like, Scotty had a sidekick, you know, like, like little changes but it is exactly what you loved about the original series still. And just some like updated changes. Yep. Yep. Once more with feeling like it just, it. Yeah. There you go. Once more with feeling. And uh, that's, that's and again, he did that with star Wars. He did the same thing, but just a little more feelings and a little more depth and like a little more, uh, like, um, uh, a little more, um, I guess like just feminist. Yeah. Like, like, uh, everyone, like, like there were equal opportunities for everybody. Well, and, and like the, the thing for me, like that's, it feels like it just, it's a contemporary film and that's in, in some ways in, in how Star Trek doesn't quite like start the, the new Star Treks are kind of still embedded in this kind of masculine space adventure and, and women as sex objects sort of thing, whereas Star Wars jettisons that wholeheartedly it definitely does yeah it definitely does you're right like in in the star trek movies you still see all the girls in in their underwear before they become real characters uh whereas in star wars that doesn't even come into it yeah there's there's no way so so i guess uh we have successfully spent an entire podcast without talking really about the uh plot or characters of the movie (laughs) no spoilers actually Nothing but spoilers. Yeah, there's tons of spoilers here. <laughs> uh, closing thoughts, I guess. Well, I mean, you know, we've got uh, episode eight coming in December of 2017 now, and uh, I, I, I'm, I'm excited. I think it's going to be a cool, cool story. I think that J.J. Abrams has cre- recreated a strong foundation, and I am very curious to see where where they will take it next because my guess is it is not going to be the empire strikes back again like we're not going to see a retelling of the second movie yeah well the one that's coming out this december is rogue one not episode yeah, rogue one eight. yeah it's a it's like a little mid movie thing um but episode eight i would not be surprised if it doesn't have i i would actually i would expect it to have return or revenge or some other word that means coming back in the title like uh like being called something like return of skywalker or uh the force returns or you know something like that that is like 
about the idea of returning because Skywalker's back. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. And now she's got it. And then she's going to train with him and she's going to go back. Like people are going to be going back in this movie. So uh, I don't see why they'd waste that opportunity. <laughs> but I, I am very much looking forward to where this franchise uh, goes in the future because I think, yeah, like, like we were saying, he did a great job of taking the old story and retelling it again for us. And, and uh, I'm looking forward to how that retelling changes the future of Star Wars. Or reshaping, I should say, changes the future of Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, well. Um, nice talking to you, Steve. Nice talking to you too, Dave. And uh, and we will see you next week. Yeah. May the force, May the be, force with you. be with you. <laughs> nerd. It's not nerdy. It's not. It's not nerdy anymore to say that. <laughs> see, I, I like how we were both trying to be the person who who got that into the conversation. I know, and we both and we ruined it by both being so clever. Mm-hmm.